Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. There's dancing, there's laughing, there's snapping of the fingers, there's jolliness here in the halls of Delta Media. Now, I can only assume that our friends with Austin's on the air on News Talk and the wild man himself, Steve Wiley, none of them subjugated themselves to watching Thursday Night Football. Because if they had, they wouldn't be happy today. <laughs> they would not have been happy watching a game that a touchdown wasn't scored in. Woof. I keep telling y'all that the NFL is struggling. They look bad. Defenses are there. The offenses are nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. They look bad. They look bad. We'll dive into that train wreck that was last night's Thursday night football game between the Colts and the Broncos. But you know what? We're going to get you set up for the weekend. We're going to talk Houston Astros baseball. We're going to talk wildcard weekend. We're going to talk New Orleans Saints. LSU. They're not going to talk UL and McNeese because they have the weekend off. It's a buy for them. We're going to talk why Hannah Five Names is proudly wearing her Slidell High Letterman's jacket inside the studio. Not really for sure why that is. I, I didn't get a memo. I, I didn't have a Letterman's jacket myself. Not because I didn't have letters to put on it. Those are all stored somewhere. In, in bags, when they told me how much the jacket was going to cost, I was like, no, bro. <laughs> I was like, I ain't paying that. I got car insurance. I'm not going to pay for that. <laughs> My parents couldn't swing it either. It was like, do I get the class ring or do I get the letterman's jacket? I went with the class ring. Decisions had to be made. Not all of us, you know. Had the advantage of being able to get a class ring and a letterman's jacket. (laughs) Good morning, Five Names. Good morning. (laughs) All right, so explain to me why we're rocking the Slidell. Are they playing one of our teams? No, they actually, there is not one game that they play close enough to here that I could, like, go to the game. Okay. Nor do I want to travel the two and a half hours to go to a game in Slidell. Um, but I felt extra greeny because, like, I'm wearing my Acadiana High shirt that I got for the Acadiana broadcasting team that we're wearing. Yes, yes, um, of course, of course. And so I thought I'd be extra greeny, and I was a little bit 
cold this morning, so I put my Letterman on. Outstanding. So, but I, I also I have, I have a class ring and a Letterman. I have no idea where the class ring went. It disappeared during band camp freshman year of college, and the place that I went to get it is closed down. So, um, okay, it's, it's fun times. There we go. Uh, you have a lot of shiny medals on your Letterman's jacket. I do. That's a lot of years of uh, that's four years of color guard and being a captain and a co-captain. Oh, the fanciness up in here this morning. Oh, yeah. We're hey, not prepared for that. It's Friday. You're bringing fanciness to it? No, though there's only seven field goals made for that game last night. I still got 16 points from Colts defense. So <laughs> the game might have been trash, but I got points. Oh, we're going to we're going to talk about that. Game. <laughs> we're going to talk about this 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 abomination of a football game. If you're the Denver Broncos, how you feeling? How you feeling about going after Russell Wilson and giving him what? I think it's like $200 million. The contract number that they signed him to is a ridiculous amount of money. And you bring in this guy for his leadership. You bring in this guy for his playmaking ability. He's supposed to be the missing piece. That's what we've been keep uh, being told for the last couple of years, that Denver's put together a great roster. They have impact players. They're just missing the quarterback. The only thing they need is a quarterback, and, man, they got a Super Bowl champion MVP candidate coming to town and bringing Sierra. <laughs> and he has been absolutely awful. The new coach for the Broncos has been absolutely awful. How do you feel, Denver? Like your team is only two and three, but man, that Colts team is awful. They've been talking about firing Frank Reich. Their offensive line is like a sieve. It just gives up sacks left and right. And you can't get touchdowns, Denver? With Russell Wilson as your quarterback? You can't get a touchdown? Just one. Just one touchdown. Not a bunch. Not three. Not four. No, 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 no. Just talking one, bro. That is it. That's it. Couldn't even score one touchdown. One. It's unbelievable how awful Russell Wilson has looked this season. He looks he he looks he looks washed. He looks absolutely washed. Oh, and the contract is for wait for it. $245 million. Ooh. Russ has thrown for 1,254 yards. He's only completed 59% of his passes. He's thrown for four touchdowns and three picks in five games. He had a guy wide open for a touchdown last night. Wide open. Didn't see him. Didn't throw him the ball. This is a veteran quarterback. A guy that's been in the league for 10 years. He's been to two Super Bowls, 
and there was a guy wide open in the back of the end zone, and he didn't even see him. Awful. Just awful. You're paying all that money, $245 million, to have a guy put up worse numbers than Geno Smith. That's where you're at. And you're stuck with him. This contract, the majority of it is fully guaranteed. <laughs> like, you better hope he figures it out soon. You better hope soon he figures it out. And they figure it out. Hackett is his head coach because he doesn't call a good game either. Russell hasn't played well. The head coach hasn't called good plays. All in all, a woof-tastic performance by the Denver Broncos. I mean, it sets up on a platter for you. You're taking on the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts. Who look like they're bound for a top-five draft pick. No, no. You lose 12-9. to 12-9. to The Colts are 2-2-1. Tom Brady made a comment in a press conference earlier this week when asked about the state of the football in the NFL right now, and he said, I see a lot of bad football. He's not wrong. Why are these teams so bad? Why are these games so bad? It's got to be the reduction in the preseason. But I also think the bigger thing here is so many guys refuse to play in the preseason at all. So you have guys that have gotten no reps whatsoever by the time the regular season comes together. That the starting five offensive linemen, your running back, your wide receivers, your quarterback, and in particular focusing on offense because defense seems to be ahead of the curve, is they haven't played together. They don't have those reps. They don't have that chemistry. And it shows. The offensive production in the NFL through the first four weeks and now going on five has been dreadful. I can't remember the last time I've seen the NFL put out a product that has been this lackluster. It's been a while. You're having great quarterbacks, great wide receivers, great teams struggle to put up points. Russell Wilson on one side, Matt Ryan on the other. Matt Ryan's a former league MVP and a guy that's been to a Super Bowl, by the way. Now, is he on the back end of his career? Sure. But don't you think two veteran quarterbacks with both teams have talent on their rosters, but neither one could do anything. Ryan and Wilson last night combined for zero touchdowns and four interceptions. They were sacked a total of 10 times. Maybe the answer to my question is the reason why we've seen such bad play from offenses this year is because the offensive lines have been just, just the worst. Matt Ryan is like 40 years old. 
is a statue back in the pocket anyway. The man got sacked six times. 251 yards. Threw the ball 41 times for only 251 yards. Wilson threw it 39 times. Only got marginally better at 274 yards. The two teams barely rushed for 100 yards each. Just not a good look. Bad, dreadful football. And you keep thinking, hey, as the season progresses, it'll get better. Once they develop more chemistry, once they get more reps together, Ah, I hope so. I hope that's the case. Really do. But as we enter week five of the NFL season, I'm starting to have some concerns that that may not be the case. It just may not be the case. We just may have just bad offensive football this season. Once again, I know it's just now week five, but does not look promising. If you had Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan on your fantasy football team, eh, you make poor decisions. (laughs) Just leave it at that. I wouldn't be starting those guys anytime soon. And we'll ask our fantasy football expert, Zach Miller, about that when he joins us later on today. Line up on this Friday edition. I assure you is much better than what that Thursday night football game was last night. James Yasko will join us. Going to talk Astros getting to 106 wins. They're the number one seed in the American League playoff bracket. What does he think the rotation is going to look like? What does he think this team needs to do? Are there any holes in the lineup that concern him enough to feel like his team can't make a run in the postseason? James Yasko from the Liam Time Time Podcast will join us at 7 o'clock. At 7.30, Adam Sparks from the Knoxville News Sentinel. He covers the Tennessee Volunteers. They're the number eight team in the country. They're coming to Death Valley to take on LSU tomorrow. We'll get a preview of that game and get you more intel about the Volunteers and their high-powered offense. That'll be coming up at 7.30. Then Zach Miller, our fantasy football expert, will join us at 8.15. And at 8.30, we're going to talk all things black and gold with our buddy TJ Jones from the State of the Saints podcast. So that's the lineup we have for you on this Friday edition of RP3 and Company. You know we love to hear from you. Want to hear your phone calls? Feel free to give us a call. Game hotline's always open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. If you want to get on the air, just one rule of thumb. Make sure to state your name clearly. Tell Hannah five names good morning. And don't dare bash the Seattle Mariners or Slidell High School. Boom. She's rocking the Letterman's jacket. Her team's playing in the wild card round this weekend. Be nice to the lady behind the glass. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming right up. Here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. 
you know the number. Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time to face your worst nightmares. And no, that does not include having to watch the Thursday night football game again. I'm talking about other nightmares. The type that come about during Halloween season. That's the game's 13th gate giveaway. Look, we have your VIP tickets for the legendary Haunted House attraction over in Baton Rouge. That way you can scream over and over again while others have to wait in line. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score yourself a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Thursday night football was atrocious. Woof. Offense in the NFL has been bad. Can they fix it? Can they turn it around? Maybe. Look, I think a big part of this is the preseason and the fact that so many players are opting not to play at all during the preseason and teams aren't forcing them, and they're thinking just practice time is enough, and obviously it's not. And it, it, we're to this uh, to a moment in professional football and have been that way for a few years where a lot of these guys won't do much of anything during the tail end of training camp when preseason ramps up because they're like like, oh I'm prepared I'm ready to go okay I think you're seeing offensive line play in particular be so bad because of lacks of, of reps together look Offenses can't look good if the offensive line doesn't block. It's hey, That's been the rule of thumb for football since, let me guess, the late 1800s. That, that's how it's always been. If you can't block, your offense really can't be executed. You want to give credit to the quarterbacks, over and over again, I get it. But it's a team game, and that is five guys across the offensive line. They matter. They matter a lot. They just do. Speaking of bad offensive football, let's talk to the New Orleans Saints. They're welcoming in the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. You never want to say must win, do you? Uh, We're talking week five. Must win? Ah, That sounds kind of ridiculous, right? Even the words when they come out of my mouth, I go, really? Really? That said, sure does feel like it. Not because 
they need to climb back into the standings, not because they need to you know snap a three-game losing streak. Those play a role, obviously. They just need to have something positive happen here. Because if you can't beat the Geno Smith-led Seahawks, it's going to be a long season. Doesn't mean you can't be competitive. Doesn't mean that the back end of the season, you can't turn things around and, and win more games than you lose and flirt with being a playoff team. It just means that if you can't start turning things around now, you may not be able to do so. Or you may bury yourself such a large hole, too deep of a hole, if you will, that you can't climb out of it. That's the worry. Cincinnati's playing better. They come to town a week from Sunday. Then you have the Thursday night football game at Arizona. Cardinals aren't very good. But neither are you. And then it's back home against the Raiders who have struggled mildly as well. They finally got their first win last weekend. You have winnable games. All those are winnable games. And you don't even have to go 4-0 and during that stretch. Just go 3-1. and That's all. That's all you got to do. Let's say beat Seattle, lose to Cincinnati, beat Arizona, Beat Las Vegas, 3-1. and one. Enter November, 4-4. Four and four. I think any Saint fan would take that. It means you're right at 500. Tampa Bay's more than likely not ran away from the division yet because they got problems. Offensive line, ooh, not good in Tampa. You're trying to protect a 45-year-old rail skin quarterback yeah. It's all still in front of the Saints, but they have to be the ones to take advantage of it. Get a win on Sunday against an average Seattle team. Now you're two and three. Now you're feeling good about yourselves. Now you start having things go in the right direction. Now, injuries are going to play a role for the Saints. We don't know about Michael Thomas. Doesn't look like he's going to go again on Sunday. You hope his injury is not going to last longer. Yet another season with Michael Thomas being injured. But just get the win. It doesn't even have to be pretty. It doesn't even have to look good. Heck, it could be what happened last night on Thursday Night Football. A 12-9 overtime win with no touchdown scored. You just got to get the dub. You just got to get the dub. That's what the Saints have to do come Sunday. We'll give our picks about that game later on in today's show. But right now, we got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and company, we're going to shift from the NFL, and we're going to embrace college, LSU in particular. Hey, McNeese is off. UL is off. But the Tigers, they're welcoming in the volunteers a battle 
of top 25 teams in Death Valley could be a signature win opportunity for this year's Tigers team. We'll talk about it by hearing from the Tigers themselves. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues, fellas. Oh, I know. Look, money's tight right now. You got to make sure to stash some of it away to take care of your lady for Christmas, which will be right around the corner. Plus, Halloween candy costs a fortune. Gotcha. Understand picking up what you're putting down. But check it out. We want to help you out. That's right. We want to hook you up with gift certificates to some of the best restaurants in Acadiana. That way you can take your lady out for a great night out on the town. I'm talking like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Half Show Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Oh, man, you can have a great time at all three of those establishments. But you can only score those great prizes by becoming a member of our game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Do yourself a favor. Let us help you. Poll question of the day. It's about the LSU Tigers. I believe they actually have a legitimate chance of winning this game. Now, They have to play better. Offensively, they have to have more than 87 yards. I just, it's 2022, okay? This is not, you know, the four horsemen Notre Dame offense from 80 years ago. You can't play that way anymore. Heck, this is not even 1995 Nebraska. You got to be able to pass the ball more than 100 yards. You can get away with that against Auburn. You can't get away with that against... Tennessee, Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida. You just can't. So maybe the players only meeting earlier this week will go a long way to that, that Jaden Daniels had with Malik Neighbors and the rest of the wide receivers. But this is a team that I feel has a chance. Their front seven is really good. The defensive line in particular is great. They can get after the quarterback. And that's going to be key in this game. Disrupting Hayden Hooker, the star quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. And they can do that. His best target, Scuttlebutt is, won't be available for this game. We'll ask Adam Sparks about that when he joins us from the Knoxville News Sentinel. He covers the Tennessee Volunteers. So his number one target, his favorite target, may not be able to go in this game. It's going to be an 11 a.m. kick, advantage LSU. And the Volunteers' defense, pass defense in particular, 
is trash. Just is. When you're ranked outside of the top 100, you're not good. Plain and simple. So if they can get better, more consistent play out of their quarterback and wide receivers, if they can run the ball, kind of control the clock, and get after Hooker, they got a chance to win this game. They just do. Tennessee struggled to beat Pitt. Don't forget. I don't believe Pitt's that much better than LSU. Not this year. So that's our poll question of the day. What will be key for LSU beating Tennessee? Will it be disrupting Vols Hooker? Will it be run the ball, control the clock? Will it be attacking the Vols secondary? Or is it all of the of the above? 64% of you say all of the above. 18% say attacking the Vols secondary. 12% say run the ball, control the clock. And 6% of you say disrupting Hooker. Get to some comments. Todd says all of the above. It's always all of the above. That's a fair point, Todd. JPK, the OD, says, just throw the ball. My man pulled out a Gilmore Girls gif. Shout out to JPK, the OD, for that. That's a show that guys secretly love, by the way. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, the Vols have the worst secondary in the SEC. This is a chance for Jaden Daniels to shine. Exactly. It doesn't set up much better than this. Hart simply shares a meme of Colts Broncos. <laughs> Look, a touchdown. Ralph Bergeron says, if LSU wins this game and I give them a big shot, Brian Kelly will win over the remaining skeptics. You can't spell volunteers without an L. Let's give them one. Go Tigers. Got to love Ralph's enthusiasm and positivity this morning. Shout out to Ralph for that. Always love that. Look, they do have they look, they have a great chance. They have an absolute great chance to get a win here. Get a signature win. Look, don't forget, high powered Mississippi State offense did nothing. Defense bottled it up. They won that game. They go on the road to a hostile environment like Auburn against a desperate Auburn team, because that's what Auburn is right now. They're desperate. They got the win. I'm just saying, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. You got to get better play from Daniels and that wide receiving core. Make no bones about it. I'm not even going to try to pretend that they can play like they did last week and, and beat the Volunteers because they can't. No way, no how. But they're going to have a chance. Going to have a chance. Jay Ward came up big in that game. Obviously, B.J. Ojolari forced the fumble on the sack, and then Jay Ward picked it up for the touchdown. That kind of sparked things. They were down 17-0 against Auburn, turned it around, and was able to make the comeback on the road. And Jay was asked, hey, what do you guys have to do to come out on top, in particular against the SEC's leading offense in total yards, passing yards, and points per game. Um, Tennessee, they heading in the right direction with their program. They're actually doing good, got some good players. When we face them, they like they play call is different. We, now we ain't face yet, so we have to be on everything. Essentially what Jay's trying to tell you there is they got to be great with everything. Got to be great with everything. Now, 
does coming back not once but twice against SEC opponents, does that work in their favor, right? To have that experience, to be, be able to pull out two come-from-behind victories against SEC competition, you know, can you take anything from that? Can you use that when you're taking on a really good Tennessee team and linebacker, fifth-year senior, Micah Bakersville, elaborated a little bit on that. We got grit, and we're going to fight to the end. But, you know, we don't want to be in too many of those. So it's, it's good that we find out that, but we want to start off really fast. They want to start off fast, which would which would help greatly. Now, defensively, they're going to have their hands full. It's the best offense they've faced so far. But the offense is going to have to do its part. It's going to have to step up. It's going to have to play at a far higher level, a far better level. And one of those guys that's going to be counted on to do so is Malik Neighbors, former Como High, Southside High star, played last year as a freshman and is really having a breakout year. He leads the Tigers in receptions and receiving yards. He's become the go-to guy for Jane Daniels. But they are coming off a passing performance where they had under 100 yards passing against Auburn. And Malik was asked, what do you think of that performance against Auburn for the team? Yeah, that's why I was really, you know, a little frustrated at myself, you know, coming off the field, you know, not able to get a spark for the offense. I looked at myself as, you know, making a spark, putting that big role in myself, uh, make plays on the offensive role. So when you're not able to do that, it's kind of hard, you know. And then just coming off the field, you know, as a three and out is just not, not something positive that you want to do. And uh, it was nothing really about the throws. It was mo- mainly about the route, route discipline, uh, me just breaking my route in too fast, you know, not, not breaking down easy enough, you know. It was all something that we could all work on mentally especially you have to give credit to Malik here and and, and what I mean by that is here's a guy that was a Mississippi State commit his senior season he decides that he wants to go play with his friends at Southside High School the state says no says he's not eligible so he can't go back so he didn't play football his senior year in high school didn't get to play at all yet still got recruited by LSU, took advantage of it, and he made the transition fairly well as a true freshman last year. Had some plays, especially late in the season. Started making some plays. To be where he's at already is pretty remarkable. And he put in the work this offseason to develop chemistry with the Arizona State transfer, Jaden Daniels. That's why they're so good. That's why Daniels looks for him, because they practice together. Practice matters. It always has. It always will. And they had such a great connection hooking up in the Mississippi State game. What do they need to do Saturday to kind of replicate that performance they had against Mississippi State? This is what Malik had to say. Being more disciplined, you know, off the line of scrimmage, you know, being technique-wise, you know, getting our technique better as a receiver group, you know. We've been sloppy, uh, and I say that for myself also, um, you know, just working on getting the technique-wise better this week. Kids good. If they – look, they have a ton of talent in that, sec- in that wide receiving room. 
Got to get Kayshawn Butte the ball more, obviously. Get Jack Besh involved more. One catch ain't going to make it. Just not. You got Malik. You got Jack. You got Kayshawn. You got some guys there. Daniels has just got to be more patient. Progress through his reads. These guys are getting open. You look at the tape. You you rewatch the film. It's not that they're not open. He's just not getting in the ball. Part of that's because the offensive line is breaking down. Part of it is because he doesn't trust the offensive line to even hold the block. So he's quickly abandoning his reads and just going one. Done. He's got to be more patient. They got to be more disciplined as an entire unit. If they do that, they, they look, they have the ability here. They have the ability, especially against an opponent that struggles, struggles in pass defense. This sets up perfect for them. At home, early kick. Take advantage of the matchup. Got to see a better performance from the offense. And if they do that, they could take down a top 10 team. That would be the signature win. That would help propel LSU. That would change the trajectory of their season. You get a win right here, then you start looking at the schedule and you look at them differently. What would it mean for them to get a win over a top 10 opponent? That's what Malik had to say about that. I would say, you know, it means, it, it means a lot. You know, Tennessee is just, they have came out of nowhere, you know, been, made a good team, made a good team last year, you know, just able to, you know, just compete, you know. We in the SEC, it's the SEC week, so just able to compete week in and week out, you know, it's going to be great. I like their chances. I like their chances a lot. And I think this game is going to be closer than a lot of people think. Really do. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one here on RP3 and Company next. You're listening to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Look, sometimes multiple lines are in one area, believe it or not. I found that out myself when we installed the gate across the back of our property a year or so ago. So look, if you or your contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a brand new fence, a pool, gazebo, swing set, it really doesn't matter, guys. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, pick up your phone, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service, and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you. Call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Once again, our poll question of the day, it's about LSU's matchup against the Tennessee Volunteers. What will be key for LSU beating Tennessee? We laid it out for you, but we'll do so again. Is it disrupting Vols quarterback Hayden Hooker? Once again, Tennessee's offense, 
most yards per game in the SEC, most passing yards per game in the SEC, most points per game in the SEC. You got to disrupt their quarterback. You got to get them out of rhythm. Is it running the ball, controlling the clock, keeping the ball out of their offense's hands? That's similar to what LSU did in the bowl game a few years ago, Joe Burrow's first season when they took on UCF. And UCF had a certain gentleman on staff named Josh Heupel, who's now the head coach of Tennessee. Play keep away, as we used to do. Is it attacking the Vols secondary? Once again, ranked outside of the top 100 in the nation in pass defense. They are dreadful. Or is it all of the above? Right now, leading the vote with 27, no, not 27, nope, 64% of the vote is all of the above. 16% of you say attacking the ball secondary. 12% say run the ball, control the clock. And 8% of you say disrupting Vols quarterback hooker. Brad on Twitter says all of the above, but the passing game has to be effective. Daniels needs to throw for 220-plus yards to keep the defense honest, and wide receivers catch the ball. I agree with that. Can't have those drops. Steve, because it's no salt Friday, please set Brian Kelly's alarm clock one and a half hours earlier than normal. Maybe he will be awake enough to not spot the Vols two touchdowns. I think tempo is the key. Speed up LSU and slow down the Vols. Some good points there by Steve. Yeah, and you got to come out stronger. You got to come out faster. Can't be sleepwalking. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we will share them and update it throughout today's show. Hour number one has come to a close, but don't be sad. Hour number two, right around the corner. James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast will join us talking all things Strohs. That's next, right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. You know, I'm dancing. I was dancing during the break because I was thinking of having James Yasko on, our good friend, our buddy from the Lima Time Time podcast, also a contributor to the Houston Chronicle and a, a lover, a hooligan, if you will, when it comes to soccer, what they call across the pond, football. But then I was thinking of how happy I was that he was coming on today because I knew that he was going to thank me, and rightfully so. Because I was in attendance for 162. Obviously, my presence there helped them have Tucker play only an inning and take a curtain call. Have Alex Bregman not running out ground balls to first base. And helping Framer Valdez throw 10 strikeouts in five innings of work to get to 106. So I'm looking forward to this. 
James, good morning, bud. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm waiting to be thanked. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, the, the, the 105 wins before that, uh, could not have, could not have happened without, without you being in attendance. Uh, hey, but I was really surprised that as many people showed up for 162, especially it being a day game or, you know, an early afternoon game, it wasn't sold out, but it was a really nice crowd for an afternoon baseball game on a Wednesday. You know, I think a lot of that had to do with with most people in Houston knew uh, that with Aaron Judge uh, facing the Rangers pitching staff, there was a chance that they could catch uh, the 60-second home run in Minute Maid. Like, he was going to hit the ball that far. <laughs> it was fan appreciation day, bud. They were giving out stuff left and right. It was like a clearance sale. It was like, everything must go. Got to empty the store. Who, everyone in section 104, you get this. Come on down. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, we as a society place way too much important on our, uh, importance on ourselves. Uh, and so I applaud, you know, the 30,000-ish people that, that just kind of realize that it's not, going to work on a Wednesday afternoon is not that important. Like, take some time for yourself. <laughs> take, take some we're time. We're not that important. We don't have to be at work every single day. Like, no, we're not that important. Take some time for yourself, he says. I love that. I love that. All right, bud. Verlander. Look, Dusty Dusty stuck to his guns, right? He said, my guys are going to pitch. I'm going to throw them out there. He threw Verlander. He threw McCullers. And he threw Framer. And most of his guys got playing time as well. Now, you know, Jose sat the last game for rest. So did Jeremy Pena. And they took Tucker out after an inning. But Dusty went old school with the approach and said, hey, I'm going to get my guys as many reps as possible. Uh to here to wrap up the season. Yeah, no, I and mean, we talked about this last week. That, that, you know, I, w- given that they don't play again until Monday, um, you know, you want to get, you know, at least a few innings and just sort of stay in your routine and and stay uh, stay fresh. You don't want to have <clears throat> a week and a half, two weeks off before before you pitch in a short series in, in October. All right, how do you think the rotation is going to get set? I think it's pretty much um, – the only thing I, you know, I think that that Philly series was a pretty good preview. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I think Verlander goes game one, uh, I, but I think you flip, you flip McCullers and Framberg. You throw Framberg in game two and McCullers in game three. Now, game three though would be on the road. hasn't Hasn't Lance been better at home? Ah, uh, that's a good point. Um, but I mean, it's 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 Lance McCullers, you know, we're, and. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I could, I, you could make it, I could understand that. Like if, if that's what Dusty, you know, comes out with and says, no, we're going to, we want to keep Lance where he's, where he's best. And, and that's, that's at Minute Maid Park then. And we'll throw Framber in game three. Uh, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I'm sorry. I, I feel like, I feel like I hurt your feelings. feel like I insulted you. Uh, you're, no, you're, no, I, no. I, I, you're I, like, I, you're, I, a, you're I, like, how dare you Lafayette, Lake Charles radio host. I contribute to the Houston Chronicle. How dare you? Know, you? I've, I've. I've been in I've been in therapy uh, and 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 I've I've learned to accept that that if someone suggests an alternative solution that that does not mean that they are wrong. So shout out <laughs> Dr. Rosemary. Uh, no, I agree. Look, I think I think Lance because he's the vet. You can you can use him yeah in any which way you'd like there. So Verlander, either uh, Framer and McCullers are your three, and then it has to be Christian Javier as your four, right? Because he's pitched so well, especially in the second half. 
Yeah, you, you. I think you go Javier in Game Four. If if should should it be necessary, and then and then Game Five, you just roll back over to Verlander. Now, on the back end, I I firmly believe Hunter Brown is not only going to make the ALDS roster, he's probably going to be the guy they're going to look to to eat up two innings if need be of middle relief. Am I wrong there? One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know we saw him sort of. Uh, transition into into that role you know he got a couple of starts and they were really good uh, and then you started to see him come out of the bullpen for one or two innings uh, I think there was a three inning appearance in there somewhere so you know they're they're just sort of kind of breaking him into that and and yeah no there's no reason not to kids kids lights out and and he's new enough that there's not I mean I'm sure there's a book on him but but it's you know it's not like if, if it's the Mariners you know that that beat the Blue Jays uh, it's not like Seattle's, you know, seen him three or four times and and kind of have an idea of what he's got. Stanek looks really great. Best season of his career. He sets the new ERA record for a reliever in Astros history. He did that on Wednesday. A couple of the other guys have looked really strong. Presley, obviously, that's your guy. He, he closes the door. Who in the bullpen, though, do you think shouldn't make the roster for – the ALDS and why isn't it Will Smith? <laughs> so I was going to say like, I, I would, you know, I think, uh, Will Smith and I are extremely similar, uh, and that we're both left-handed and have been about as equally effective for the Astros, uh, <laughs> in the 2022 season. So he was also equally as effective for the Braves, by the way. Yeah. I don't know that, that Will Smith makes, makes the roster uh if he does you know it's it would simply be you know if if the astros are up nine nothing and you need a guy in the eighth uh to get to to get to presley um i yeah i would i would not i would not feel comfortable with will smith in a in a high leverage situation yeah that's not 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 optimal <laughs> not no not no. you have a combined no hitter going and look no hitters are a little overrated I get it but you have a combined no hitter going and they just turn it over to Will and he's like you know what guys let's mix it up here let's mix we it need up some, we, we need some hits like let's give the fans <laughs> what they want I'm gonna give them three hits and three strikeouts you're welcome <laughs> you're entertained you're welcome we're talking with James Yasko of the Lehman Time Time podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Best pitching staff of any of the playoff teams. I don't think that can be questioned. The lineup is where you have questions. Jose Altuve has had his best season since 2017 when he won the MVP. Bregman turned things around after having the kid. Jordan is playing better. He may not have the massive power numbers he did in the first two months of the season, but it sure does seem like he's kind of found his stroke again. Tucker is a 30-30 guy. Jeremy Pena came on strong late, but the lineup still kind of has holes in it, right? You're talking about Yuli Gurriel. You're talking about wh whoever uh, zombie you throw out there in center field. Uh, you, you still got a few holes in the lineup. Are you concerned about that? Not really. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would be great to have you know, one through nine is just, you know, Altuve, Bregman, Jordan, Altuve, Bregman, Jordan, Altuve, Bregman, Jordan. Um, the, man, you know, the, that, no. the man hates Tucker. The man hates Tucker. Tucker can DH. That, I mean, <laughs> how, how are you going to crack that nine of, of Altuve three times, Bregman three times, Jordan three times? There's no room for Tucker in that, in that line. Take that, 30-30. Um, 
Yeah, I guess. Uh, so the, no, I, I mean, yeah, there's, there's questions, but I, I don't know that there, there, there's not a team, you know, everyone looks at the Dodgers and, you know, 111 wins. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, you know, they're a good team. They, like the Braves have higher odds, uh, to make it to the world series than, than the Dodgers do. Um, and so there's, there's not a team that is just, I mean, just a machine, you know, that, that, that you just fear absolutely everything about them. Um, and so, you know, I think the Astros are kind of in the same boat, but I think the Astros are better positioned than most teams to make that deep run. I'd agree with that as well. I do wonder if Dusty's going to make sure to leave a bat at the bottom of the lineup. That way, seven, eight, nine's not an automatic out, right? I, I do yeah. wonder if you keep, maybe you keep Pena down there just to be able to get base runners. Yeah, Pena, Pena has, you know, he had a he had a really tough, you know, basically from from the All Star break to you know the first week of September, um, you know there there wasn't a whole lot going on with Pena's bat. Yeah, uh, and then and then he sort of you know they made, I don't know if made an adjustment or figured something out on video. Um, he was a lot better the last the last few weeks of the season than than kind of what we saw there in the middle of the summer when everything was melting. Um, so you know, I, I'm I'm not as concerned about about Pena. Uh, I mean, dude hit you know hit 22 home runs. You know, that's the most by a rookie in short time. It was a, since Correa. You know, so uh, yeah, I think if he follows Correa's trajectory, then that's that you know that's obviously welcome. Um, so, but I mean, yeah, you I mean with Maldonado, but that's not what Maldonado's job is. And and you, but we've seen he can just at any given moment just pop off for a 400 foot home run who knows so I, I think i think it'll be all right how close do you think trey mancini is from kind of turning it over because what when i see is at bats they're not bad at bats right he, he's not swinging at junk he's making contact it's just he's just not being able to put the ball in play so and do you feel like he's close to kind of turning that around and finally kind of breaking through? And do you think Dusty's actually going to utilize him in the postseason, something he's never been in before? I, I think he'll, I think Trey Mancini will hit <clears throat> a pinch hit home run that is going to be extremely important. Uh, but I, I don't really see, you know, I mean, and we can debate, you know, how little Dusty has utilized, you know, one of your big trade deadline deals. Uh, in in August and September, but but I think that's that's pretty much the only way he's going to be uh, utilized is is off the bench and and I, I don't I don't think Dusty you know Dusty's extremely loyal uh, to Guriel and and I, literally nothing is going to change that now. No, it won't change. It, it won't change until next year when he's no longer the skipper of the team. Um, you think so? You think this oh. is the last? You think this is the last dance? Uh, Either he's gone or Click's gone, and both of them could be. I don't know. It, it, it's a weird thing with your shows where uh, you're coming off a World Series appearance, and yet there's rumblings about the man who makes all the front office moves being sent packing or the skipper being sent packing or both. It's a little weird to me. It's dr like it just feels like drama for the sake of drama. Like yes. I don't under I don't understand what Jim Crane is is doing like why you 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 have a team that just won 106 games uh you know you you've been the best team in the american league uh and you've got a hall of fame manager 
and and it's a you're about to make you know what you hope is a sixth straight trip to to the ALCS and and now what what people are focusing on is is your front office like give me a break like like if you're gonna do it whatever you know we can talk about that later but do that after the season don't don't do it right before the playoffs start it makes no sense yeah and that stuff getting leaked out yeah that's it that tells me yeah I, I don't I we can have a separate oh, discussion about about Crane yeah yeah why 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 generate a distraction for your team when yeah. it's not needed like I just Bill- it, billionaires are idiots like you cannot convince me otherwise it's it's as if the Astros are run by Jerry Jones so <laughs> I will ask you this and we'll wrap it up with this Strohs aren't taking part in the wild card obviously they get the buy to go to the ALDS Mariners Blue Jays both of these teams present challenges I don't think Toronto has the pitching to go toe-to-toe with you guys in a series but the that lineup is filthy the Mariners meanwhile they don't know any better, right? And those type of those are the teams that are dangerous because they haven't been to the postseason since 2001. They don't understand, and you know they don't really are going to be all that under that much pressure because there's no expectations, and they're a divisional opponent. Right? Who scares you more, Blue Jays or Mariners to face in the ALDS? You know, I can I can talk myself just based on on previous experience and that's that includes like growing up as an Astros fan in the 90s uh and then the the last couple of years if you give me enough time I can talk myself into the Astros losing a playoff series to the 2022 Tigers um I I like I, there's just the the fatalism the uh the the shenanigans that come in October um I I I think the Mariners, they're, they're both, everyone is terrifying to me right now. Absolutely everybody. Uh, a, a little league team uh, from, you know. Wichita. Shreveport. You know, I, I could be like, no, they're going to shut us down. Like, that's, that's, this is going to be bad. So, yeah. No, everyone is terrifying. The Mariners would be, uh, just because of the level of familiarity, like, they clearly, there is, I think there's, there's, I don't know. There's not bad blood, but the Mariners clearly, you know, the the Astros have the target on their back. If you're the Mariners, I think, but I, I think that's true for, for pretty much every American league team because they've been the best team in the American league for the last five years. Um, but, but the Marin, there, there would be some extra intensity uh, if it was, if it was a Seattle Houston ALDS. So it's, Seattle would have a little bit more intensity, even over Springer Dinger back in minute made but for the opposition. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, yeah, like I mean, you've, I'm just, I've got to, I've got to call my therapist. After this. Like I'm just, I'm just a shambles. I'm a wreck. It's, I, I, I get it. I, I get it. It's, it's your Sophie's choice. I understand. So I just want, I mean, I don't think it's too much to ask for a very low stress 11 and 0 postseason. Like what's, what's wrong with that? Why, why, what's why does every, why does every Astros postseason game have to have to come with a defibrillator? Yeah, but before before this five year run, you actually had no gray in your beard, and look at you now. Just gray. I mean, I look like in the the Donovan in in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but like after he drank out of the false holy grail. <laughs> oh, brother, I appreciate your time. You know what? Enjoy your weekend of uh, no Astros baseball. It'll be a nice stress-free weekend. You maybe get to spend the time with the wife and the family, huh? 
and then you can just charge up those batteries for the division series on Tuesday. I did go to the library and I got a book uh, and I'm going to try to read that this weekend. As an OU alum and OU fan, I've never been happier to have a wedding to go to on OU Texas Day. OU is going to get freaking rolled. Oh, they're both unranked. Woof. That's a woof. The two best teams in the Big 12 are in Kansas. Let that wash over you. Yeah. (laughs) Looking forward to the SEC. (laughs) James, appreciate your time, brother. Enjoy your weekend, bud. Hey, have a good one. Uh, James is like, nah, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to a wedding instead of having to watch Oklahoma and Texas in the Red River shootout. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update the poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Lafayette Marble and Granite, they offer the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you've heard me tell you many times before, Lafayette Marble and Granite provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, your bathrooms, your she sheds, and your man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free showers. That's right. No more muss and fuss and the smelly odor that comes from grout over years of use. You can take care of all that. Make sure to visit Chris and his team's website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the tremendous products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their soon-to-be-renovated showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. Lafayette Marble and Granite, they're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Let's take a moment to check in on the poll question of the day. We asked you, what is going to be the key for LSU taking down number 8 Tennessee tomorrow at Tiger Stadium? Once again, pregame begins at 9 o'clock, kickoff 11. You can listen to it live right here on the game. 55% of you are coming in strong for all of the above. 18% say attacking the Vols secondary. 15% of you say disrupting Vols quarterback, Holden Hooker. And 12% of you say run the ball, control the clock. That's right. Limit the amount of possessions Tennessee's high-powered offense can have. Let's get to some additional comments. Mr. Green, new to Twitter, but not new to leaving tremendous comments. If I was a Tigers fan, I would say O-line play. If they block well, Daniels will pass. But at the slightest pressure, he's going to take off like an airplane. Teams know this. They also know he looks for neighbors. Yeah, he's starting. He's going to have to start dispersing the ball to other guys because they're starting to pick up on the fact that that's his number one guy. That's the guy that he always tries to throw to, right? So you got to do a better job there of getting it to Jack Besh getting it to Kayshawn Butte, getting it to the tight ends. 
Need to do a little bit of better job of doing that. And if they can do that, well, there you go. Then there'll be a little bit more balance with the passing attack. You won't be able to bracket neighbors, so to speak, and you'll have the opportunity to move the chains. Once again, you don't need Jane Daniels to be 350 yards passing and, you know, three touchdowns. You just need them to be, you know, over 200 yards passing. Maybe a touchdown. Yeah, that's it. Just something. Need it. Need far more than what you got from that passing attack last week at Auburn. Just have to have more. Let's go to the book of face. Cody Broussard says all of the above and then some. Everyone is all busted up about an 11 a.m. kickoff. I love day games. Cody, I'm going to tell you something. I love them too. You know why? Weather's usually perfect. A, one. Two, I get to spend dinner with my family. Take it all day long. Blaine Smith on Facebook says plus two in turnover battle. Well, that could be good. Nick Mesh says luck. (laughs) I love a good efficient comment. Just says luck. (laughs) And Jerry says go the North Shore Panthers. Go the North Shore Panthers. Thank you for those comments. Keep them coming throughout the rest of today's show. We'll share them with you. But coming up next here on RP3 and Company, we're going to learn more about the Tennessee Volunteers from the gentleman who covers them for the Knoxville News Sentinel. Adam Sparks will join us next right here. Talking LSU, talking Tennessee. You're listening to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. The LSU Tigers are back in the top 25. Brian Kelly has seemingly turned things around, but they're going to face their toughest test of the season when number eight ranked Tennessee and their high-powered offense comes to Tiger Stadium Saturday morning for the 11 a.m. kick, one of the best games on the docket for the weekend. And to help preview the game for us as a man who covers the Tennessee Volunteers, Adam Sparks. Adam, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Uh, real good, real good. It's, uh, it, it's fun to be playing... Uh are covering football that matters this time of year. It, it, a, lot of, a lot of teams are already out of it. Uh, I think the two teams that uh, covered in this game actually have something to look forward to. Yes, that they do, and that's been a long time since we've said that about these two opponents facing off against each other. And I, I want to focus about the job Josh Heupel has done. Took some big steps in year one, year two. Man, it's just going off like gangbusters. Uh, just talk about the job that he has done in changing the culture and just changing how competitive this team is now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tennessee obviously has had a string of coaches uh, ever since Phil Fulmer was here, uh, and most of them – well, a couple of them had a little bit of success, but it, it was never sustained. Uh, the, the difference that uh, Heupel has made that those others didn't is that Tennessee is really, really good at something. I, I, I think that's part of the battle. I mean, winning big games and records and all that, that's what you're ultimately judged by, what you should be judged by. But I think there's sort of a pride factor in a program when you're really good at a thing. And Tennessee – in terms of total offense, is the best offense in the country right now. In terms of tempo, it's the fastest offense in the country. It was last year, too. Um, so I, I think that's probably changed the vibe. Well, I know that's changed the vibe, certainly in the fan base. Um, if you're the best at college football, 
in college football it's something. It, it, I, I think fans sort of flock to that idea. And uh, it's been a long time since Tennessee can say they're the best at something in college football, but they are right now. We'll, we'll see if that if that holds up through, uh, through what's going to be a pretty tough October. A lot of tough games still to play, but they got the monkey off their back with Florida. Now they got LSU, a team they haven't defeated in Baton Rouge in quite a long time. They have an opportunity to really make a name for themselves and really prove if they're a contender for the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, I, I see this LSU game as sort of a, a separation game. It's, uh, you know, coming into the year, I thought, you know, 8-4 and four record was plausible for this team. Maybe a little better, but probably around 8-4. I, I thought LSU is probably one of those where – that they would not win on the road. Um, and so 8-4 and four would have been, you know, a, a, a little bit of a step better than last year and slow progress, still progress. Uh, Tennessee fans, and I think players, the program, everybody around it, see this game as, uh, as sort of turning what could be a pretty good season into a, a really good season. I mean, I think this is the, this is the wall you got to climb over LSU because – you sort of pencil in Alabama, likely a loss. We'll, we'll see, but likely a loss. You pencil in Georgia, is likely a loss. It's games like LSU which makes the difference between like an eight and four year and a, and a ten and two year. And Tennessee has just not had a you know a ten win type season in a long, long time. And I think this is the difference in it. I, I think Tennessee could easily be uh, be favored in every game from here on out, besides Alabama and Georgia. Um, so LSU is the biggest test, not, not only because it's on the road, but because I think there are some things in the matchups that, that could give them issues. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a big game. And Tennessee, by the AP poll, uh, this would be, if they won this one, it would be their third-ranked uh, win uh, so far in five games, which, is, which is, again, sort of kind of validates you as an as a upper echelon program in the SEC. What makes the Tennessee quarterback, Mr. Hooker, just so special, so good? Well, I mean, he just he, – uh, it's, it's two things. Last year it was he just didn't turn the ball over. Uh, m- most efficient quarterback, uh, best touchdown-interception ratio last year in the country, most efficient quarterback just in terms of passer rating, pass, passing efficiency in the history of Tennessee football. That, in, that includes Peyton Manning. Um you know, he just does not make mistakes. That was that was last year. It was more that he didn't make mistakes was sort of his calling card. This year, he also was not making mistakes. He hasn't thrown a pick. He he, he never makes a, a costly error, or at least he hasn't so far. But then he's added on top of that that he can push the ball downfield, that he can he can take a little bit more um, risks with the ball, um, and, and they pay off. He's been more aggressive this year. He, he obviously can run the ball. I think in open field he's their best runner. Um, he's sort of, you know, I, I think maybe what Jaden Daniels looks like early this year is a little bit of what Hooker was early last year. It was a guy that didn't take chances but could certainly make some plays, but he was, you know, he, he, uh, he just he didn't make huge mistakes. And Everything that I see out of Brian Kelly right now is, uh, to me, just context clues. I feel like he's pushing Jaden Daniels in the direction that Josh Heupel pushed him to Hooker, which was, we, we love that you're not mistake-prone, but we also need you to go ahead and make some big plays. And that's the step that Hendon Hooker took this year. We're talking with Adam Sparks. He covers the Tennessee Volunteers for the Knoxville News Sentinel. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's talk about this matchup because I know a guy that he has a special connection with, Hooker, 
Is he going to be able to go? Do we know? Because I know he had that Tua procedure. That's always kind of a iffy thing on when you can come back from that. Is Hooker's favorite target, the guy that he has the most chemistry with, is he going to be able to go Saturday in Death Valley? Yeah, Cedric Tillman, he's he's one of the top receivers in the country. Um, I, at this point, they have not ruled him out. I, I would say... I would say close to doubtful if you wanted to do the sort of the NFL status, uh, doubtful to questionable somewhere in there. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he's in uniform on Saturday. I would be pretty surprised, though. Uh, I I don't think he's going to play. You know, I mean, yes, he did have the same high ankle uh, surgery that that Tua had, that tightrope procedure. Uh, Tua came back from it a couple of times relatively quickly. Um, but I, I think the difference is, you know, there's a difference between a quarterback that's taken a, you know, a three-step drop out of shotgun to, you know, to plant and throw. There's a difference between that and a guy that's having to run a route every play and make hard cuts on that ankle. I think that's the difference in, in recovery and rehab time. And so um, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked, but I'd be pretty surprised if Cedric Tillman is in uniform. I think more of the thought is, Let's see if you can get him ready for Alabama the following week. And if and if you can't do that, then just, you know, save him for the second half of the season. With Tillman out, who needs to step up in a big way for Tennessee to beat LSU, especially with their passing attack? Well, I mean, the interesting thing is when he was out against Florida, um, they plugged in Ramel Keaton, who is a, he's a solid veteran guy who's always been just, you know, just sort of a solid backup. Um, he he had a great game. He had his best game of his career. He uh, Ramel Keaton caught the the biggest pass of that game as a, a deep ball that completed a, a 99 yard uh, part of a 99 yard touchdown drive that sort of swung the game. It was I guess it's a big it's a credit to Josh Heupel's offense that one of the best receivers in the country did not play against Florida and you kind of didn't notice. Um, now will they be able to do that again uh, against what I, I, I still think the some pr- a pretty talented secondary in LSU. I think there's some good athletes there. I, that, that's going to be the question, if they can do that again. Ramel Keaton will be in the lineup. Uh, Jalen Hyde is their slot guy. He's their he's their big play guy. Uh, Brew McCoy was already a starter. He's a USC transfer. Um, was already a starter. Was kind of working in slowly opposite side of Tillman. He sort of plugs into Tillman's spot more often now. And, uh, and they have to have a big game for him. He was the third option when Tillman went out. There will be some plays where he's the first option now. He's a, he's a bigger physical receiver. He's not going you know, to take off on, on long catches after the uh, runs after the catch, but he is a physical guy that they will go to, especially in, in critical third-down situations, because that's usually where they would go to Tillman. LSU's strength of its team, period, offense or defense, is its front seven on defense. Uh, Does that come down for you? Is that the key to this game of being able to protect Hooker and keeping LSU's, you know, future NFL draft picks in the front seven out of the backfield? Yeah, I mean, I think think there's a couple things. One, yeah, LSU's front seven. Uh, Tennessee is – they have a veteran offensive line, but it's not a – it's it's better at pass protection than run blocking. That's for sure. Um, and so you know if they can protect Hooker, that's that's good. They can run their offense, and uh, the tempo helps them a lot too to sort of slow down the pass rush. Um, but Josh Hopple's a firm believer that if his run game is not going, um, his offense is going to struggle, especially against good SEC competition. And I think even more so on the road because they just don't 
They just can't expand the offense in the way that they need to. So they're going to have to run the ball. I think that's going to be pretty difficult because LSU's front seven so good and because Tennessee's uh, Tennessee's offensive line just hasn't gotten there yet of, of getting a push in the run game. Um, the other thing I think is, and I would put this even ahead of that, is what they do in defending LSU's pass. Um, I know that's sort of a sore spot at LSU. It's, they haven't thrown the ball great. Um, but everything that Jaden Daniels has the potential to, to do well is what Tennessee has struggled with. They get Anthony Richardson at Florida threw for 453 yards on Tennessee, and he had, he had not thrown the ball well at all all season, and he just opened it up against Tennessee. That's because Tennessee, ever since Josh Hopple's been here, uh, Tennessee has had an issue with mobile quarterbacks, and they've had a real big issue with mobile quarterbacks that can get flushed out of the pocket and do something with the ball. Daniels, from what I see, tucks it and runs more than keeps his eyes up, but I'm sure Brian Kelly is showing him that Florida film and said, hey, buddy, look, if you keep your eyes up, these guys cannot cover once the, the pocket is flushed and it's, it's, it's sort of a broken field. Uh, Tennessee has the worst pass defense almost in the country right now. They had the worst pass defense in the SEC last year and it's roughly the same players. They've got some major, major issues in the secondary. And uh, if, if, if Daniels wants a big, a big game throwing the ball and they have great receivers that are being underutilized, I think this, this, this would be the game to do it. Wrapping up our conversation with Adam Sparks. He covers the Tennessee Volunteers for the Knoxville News Sentinel. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, once everything is said and done tomorrow in Death Valley, and you and I will both be there, How's this game going to play out? Do you think Tennessee is going to earn a hard-fought road victory, or do you think LSU is going to get the first top-10 victory for Brian Kelly? I think adjustments in-game are going to be pretty critical. Um, Tennessee's up-tempo offense usually shocks opponents the first time or early in games, um, and then it's just a matter of whether uh, LSU can sort of adjust to that. Um, I think Tennessee's offense is, is, is going to score – reasonable amount probably into the 30s uh, or at least close to that because every power five sec just about outside of uh, alabama and georgia they, they, they've scored that on uh tennessee's going to score and they're going to move the ball because they do against pretty much everybody i think i think uh it's going to come down to whether or not daniels can sort of expand that passing game and if tennessee can make any improvements that it didn't make last week I, or, or two weeks ago against florida it's you know LSU has rallied in games and been good at that. My only question would be if they did get behind, if they could rally in this one because Tennessee has an offense that can they can keep their foot on the gas if they need to. So it's it's difficult to come back on them. It really comes down to how quickly LSU can take control of the game if they can adjust to that up tempo offense and if they can get a lead. I think if LSU gets a lead in the first half, it's it's it paves the way for a win because I think that crowd will get behind them. Obviously at the beginning of the game, but even more so late in the game when they're trying to rattle uh, Tennessee's offense. I think Tennessee will have enough offense uh, to win this game. If I mean, I think the line's maybe, what, three or four points right now. I, I, I think that's pretty accurate. I think Tennessee wins it, wins it close. Adam, appreciate your time as always, brother. Can't wait to see you up in the press box for tomorrow's game. Uh, be safe traveling down, bud, and thank you for the time. All right, good to be on. 
Thanks again to Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel giving us some information, intel, if you will, about the Tennessee Volunteers. Once again, Tennessee LSU kickoff is at 11. Pre-game begins at 9 o'clock, and you can listen to it all right here on the game tomorrow morning. we got to take a timeout, wrap up our number two, update that poll question of the day. That's all next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, the Sweet Dough Pie Festival's coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks alike vie to be crowned the best in the Sweet Dough Pie Contest where the public is the judge. And, of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns on Saturday, October the 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. there at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. If you'd like more information, about the Sweet Dough Pie Festival, call 337-331-6352. That's 337-331-6352. Or simply visit the Town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. Let's check in on the old poll question of the day while we have some time here on RP3 and Company as we wrap up our number two. We asked you, What's it going to take? What's the key for LSU to take down Tennessee? Is it disrupting the Vols' just dynamic quarterback, Hooker, who has led the Vols' offense to an SEC best in total yardage, passing yardage, and points per game? Is it run the ball, control the clock, Limit the amount of possessions that the Volunteers can have tomorrow morning. Less possessions means less opportunities for points. Could be a winning strategy, especially the way they've been able to run the ball better of late. Is it attacking the Vols secondary? Ranked, I do believe, 127th overall in pass defense. They are one of the worst in the country. And their best defensive back is going to be out for this game. Can you take advantage of it? Run the football, establish the running game, but then take shots down the field. Get the ball into your playmakers' hands like Jack Besh and Malik Neighbors and Kayshawn Butte. Or is it the always reliable, all of the above? Right now, 55% of you say all of the above. 18% say attacking the Vol secondary. 15% say disrupting Hooker at the quarterback position, and 12% of you say run the ball, control the clock. I think they have a good chance here. They have a good shot to beat Tennessee. Will they be able to pull it off? Man, that's a different story. It really is. It's a different story. It's hard. They're the number eight ranked team in the country. But if you do do this, if you can take down a top 10 team, then you're going to be looking at this LSU team completely differently. You're going to look at them as going, oh, okay. They beat Mississippi State. They beat Auburn. They just took down top 10 ranked Tennessee. You'll feel a lot better about their trip to Gainesville to go to the Swamp to take on the Gators the following Saturday. Ole Miss, maybe you can win that game. That's homecoming, by the way. Two weeks from Saturday. 
and then the bye week, and then it's Bama time. Arkansas game could be a win. A&M looks like they are bound to become one of the biggest dumpster fires of the entire college football season. And UAB. Get a win on Saturday, tomorrow, against the Volunteers. Now you're talking something different. Now you're talking about a team who's going to be 5-1 and one and 3-0 and oh in SEC play. And let's say you can see that they'd lose to Bama. If you beat Tennessee Saturday, if you're LSU, you're going to have a chance to beat Florida. You're going to have a chance to beat Ole Miss, Arkansas, A&M. And you should beat UAB. That's five more wins right there. That's a 10-win season. Think about that for a second. No more than likely, because of the lack of depth of talent on the roster right now for LSU, they won't be able to do that. Maybe slip up and lose a game. They shouldn't. But you beat Tennessee, now you go from being maybe a seven-win team that gets to a bowl game to maybe an eight- or nine-win team. Could be huge. Could be huge. Hour number two was huge. But now it's come to a close. But don't fret, my friends. We still have one more hour for today and for the week. TJ Jones will be joining us from the State of the Saints podcast to talk all things black and gold, preview the Saints-Seahawks game on Sunday. That'll be coming up for the Big Easy Blitz about half an hour from right now. Also, coming up in hour number three, fantasy football advice from our resident expert, former RP3 and Company League champion, Zach Miller. Plus, we'll make our picks for LSU and for the Saints. That's all coming up, so stay tuned. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Final hour of this Friday edition of RP3 and Company, which means it's the final hour of the week. Don't be sad. Don't be sad. Singing. It's contagious. There's a lot of singing, dancing, laughing in the hallways this morning. Maybe it was because it's Friday. Or maybe because people were delirious from watching Thursday Night Football. Ooh. Nothing like an old-fashioned game that doesn't feature a touchdown. Didn't even get one. Six field goals. Seven, eight, I lost track. So did the Slidell High graduate. Seven field goals? There we go. There we go. Glad glad math was a priority at Slidell High School. <laughs> there was so many field goals, you lost count. How about that? Lots of bad football being played in the NFL. Lots of it. New Orleans Saints have been playing 
multiple games of bad football. But the Saints have a golden opportunity Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks, a 2-2 two and two team that has played, let's be honest, above what we thought they would. Geno Smith looks like a competent, dare I say, pretty good NFL quarterback. The defense is absolutely trash. They're one of the worst defensive units in the league. But they're playing well. But you're at home, inside the Caesar Superdome. Should be rocking. Going to have the home fans. Now, what do we know about the injury status? It looks like Jameis Winston nor Michael Thomas is going to go. Michael Thomas is missing time yet again. How exhausting is that for Saints fans? Man, his first three years, phenomenal. Great player. Great player. Deserved the contract. Earned the contract. But the man has been injured ever since. Ever since. And I hear, I hear whispers. I hear very, very low-level chatter that the Thomas injury could last longer than you think. That missing a couple games is going to turn into missing multiple games. Woof. Look, they got to get healthy. That's part of the problem. They got to get healthy. That said, they still have an immense amount of talent. Andy Dalton proved that he could be serviceable in the loss to the Vikings. They ran the ball fairly well. You're going to get Alvin Kamara back Sunday. You'll have Jarvis Landry available. Chris Olave has just been an absolute beast. Legitimate rookie of the year candidate. Offensive line even played a little better against Minnesota. And you're facing a defense that isn't any good. This should all kind of come together. Even with Michael Thomas out, you should be able to put points on the board. But the Saints are going to have to do it sooner than later. There has to be a sense of urgency when they come out, and they haven't had that all year. They sleepwalk for the first half of football. And then late in games, they're like, oh, yeah, let's turn it on. Let's, let's do something. You can't do that. I want to see a more focused. I want to see a better prepared team on Sunday. I want to see them come out, roll out, put some points on the board, establish a lead, and play with the lead, and get a win. You don't have to score 40 points. Doesn't need to be a three-touchdown victory. How about a double-digit win against a mediocre team at home? Should be able to do this all day long. This should not be an issue for the Saints, even without Michael Thomas. You still have enough wide receivers. The offensive line's playing a little better. You get Alvin Kamara back. You got to get him the football. That's the other part of this. We focus in on Jameis Winston. We focus on the inconsistent play by the quarterbacks. I get it. We focus in on the offensive line playing poorly. I understand. How about calling better plays? How about getting the ball in Kamara's hands? How about calling screens, Pete Carmichael? You have 
one of two guys known in the league for being old school Marshall Falk all-purpose back. The other guy's Christian McCaffrey. You got one of the other guys, and that's Alvin Kamara. Get the ball in his hands. Design screens. Get your quarterback to be able to develop a rhythm early in the games instead of waiting till desperation time to do so. Get Kamara going. Get the screen game going. Get Jarvis Landry going. That sets up the big plays to Olave. That's how this works. We've seen the formula. It's worked for a long time. But the Saints got to start off hot. Come out strong, start off hot, and just get the win. Feel good about yourselves and try to get back on track. That's what's got to happen. Saints are going to try to do that on Sunday. LSU is going to try to pull off the upset on Saturday. Once again, 9 o'clock will begin LSU pregame with Hunt Palmer, Marlon Favorite, and Brandon Taylor. Then at 11 o'clock, Chris Blair will be on the call as number 25 ranked LSU takes on number 8 Tennessee live from Death Valley. I'll be at the game covering it for the website and for social media purposes as well. Can LSU pull off the upset? I think they can. Will they? That's a different discussion. I think you're going to see them play hard. I think this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people think it will be. Hooker's not going to have his main target. He's going to be out for this game. We heard Adam Sparks tell us that from the Knoxville News Sentinel. And Tennessee's pass defense is one of the worst in the country. But Tennessee's offense is the best in the SEC. Now, LSU has proven they can take down a high-octane offense. They did so against Mississippi State and Will Rogers. The defense is going to pressure. The defense is going to disrupt Hooker. It's going to disrupt this high-powered offense. And it's going to give the Tigers a chance to win the game. But can the offense do enough? Can the offense limit the amount of possessions that Tennessee has by running the football effectively? This is only a three-point spread for this game, by the way. That's it. That's all. But can the offense, after the players-only meeting between Jane Daniels and the wide receivers, can they get on the same page, get some plays down the field, get Jack Besh the ball, Malik Neighbors the ball, Kayshawn Butte the ball? If they can do that, they're going to have a chance to win. They really will. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Paul, to the show. Paul, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Oh, uh, bro, you know what I'm saying? I got a little few small things to say. For one, when it comes to football, the Saints definitely have to get a win, and maybe we can balance foot back. So that man, he, he, he's on cuckoo right now. If the Saints can't win, I don't know what's going on with that man. The man, so, man says he's on cuckoo. <laughs> oh, yeah, he definitely is. In La La Land, he's been far past that. Oh, I like mean, that. I, I, I can't get it. The man, he just... He lost when the Saints, he really lost. If he focuses on baseball, he can be more focused. So right now, he's really gone. So if Saints get a win, he can get back ballot. Now, it's baseball playoffs start today, right? Okay. Now, I have your poll question of the day. Because I didn't look at the bracket. Jokey joke. Poll question of the day is, who does the Red Sox play? That, come on, Paul. They, they, they don't play anyone. <laughs> they finished right, well, last in the about, East. That's not what Runaway Martin said. Runaway Martin said all year they was going to make the playoffs. But but they didn't, Paul. And I, oh, I, did, I, I, I oh. didn't tell you that Boston would be making the playoffs either. 
I, I mean, I, I mean, I call a runaway Martin because I can't find the guy. That's you know, your he boy. Guys running to hide from me. That's so your man. You love. You love the vice chancellor of Erath, Louisiana. <laughs> Why you see that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just gotta put it out there because I can't find the guy. We gotta put the APB out on the guy, and I have to gloat on that because it's always a glorious day when that team don't ever win or make the playoff. I love it. It's like the Cowgirls not succeeding. So <laughs> I'm in black in bashing of glory of joy today on this glorious Friday. It's marvelous. Don't you feel the same way when they don't succeed? You gotta I, feel that. I I, it's in the air. I don't I, I don't care about the Red Sox. I, I enjoy when the Mets and the Phillies don't succeed. That's okay. what brings I, me I, pleasure. I, I can get that. I can get that. <laughs> but you know, but I mean it's not like when they don't make it. You know, but I say this to go out. I don't care who wins. I mean, the Yankees, of course. But besides the Yankees, I don't care who wins in the playoffs. All I want is the team that's going to beat the Astros to win. That's it. That's all I care about. Because I do not want the Astros. You see, I ain't going to the Astros got our number. This is how I feel about it. You got yard, and I call him the juice. I know he on the juice. And you got that two VA. Every time he's at bat, the man don't hit. It's like he know what the guy the, the guy going to pitch at him. I'm pretty sure he know. He's cheating some kind of way. My team do not play good, even especially Aaron Judge. We can't hit the ball. We can't do nothing. We don't play good against the Astros. That tells me they still cheating. How they, they the only team to have our number consistently. That means they got to be cheating. But the league is not doing nothing about it. So since they are a threat of, as cheaters, I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them, but I know they never play good in the playoffs when they have home field advantage. So I'm hoping it's the Mariners that do beat them. But it doesn't matter who it is. long as the team that can beat the Astros win and we go on into the World Series, I'm happy with that. I appreciate the phone call, brother. Like Enjoy you your weekend, it, my friend. Oh, yeah. Glory. Go Yankees. <laughs> oh, that man is something else. That man is something else. Oh, man. <laughs> Always messing with poor Martin. Poor Martin. Martin and Paul. That could be a show. Huh? You could produce it for him, five names. Huh? Martin and Paul. Oh, I'd listen to that. That'd be, that'd be entertaining I'm, as I'll get out. I'm good. I'm all right. It'd be nothing but them janking on each other. For an yeah. entire hour. <laughs> that's exactly. All, that's that's all it would be. That's all it would be. I need to bring ibuprofen with me every single time. I get a headache. <laughs> oh, look, no McNeese, no UL this weekend. They have the buys. Of course, the Cajuns are gearing up to take on Marshall on Wednesday. Cross-country trip to Huntington, West Virginia. That said, huge game for LSU, huge game for the Saints, and we're going to give you our predictions on that right now. Producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. You're the lovely Slidell High graduate. Somehow someone brought some shade, some smack talk about one of your rivals into the poll question of the day answers. I'm not really for sure why. It's just their way of staying connected to you, maybe. It's, okay, it's I don't know who they are. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But let's start off with LSU. Once again, you can listen to the game live right here on the game tomorrow morning. Pre-game starts at 9, kickoff 11 with Chris Blair on the call. Give me your thoughts. Who do you got? 
I mean, I'm always going to try to root for the home team because I just like seeing our listeners be happy and not be sad, especially foot. Oh, that's, <clears> that's, <throat> that's so sweet of you. I know, right? So I am taking LSU, obviously, and I'm going to go 24-20, and they cover the spread. 24-20. Yep. Defense bottles up hooker, maybe gets a turnover or two, is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yep. And the offense, who had 87 yards passing last week, you believe – the remedy for their ales is a porous Tennessee pass defense. Yes, I think Daniels used that meeting very wisely, and they're all going to somehow turn the lights on and realize, hey, let's like run the football and like know how to catch the ball. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah. I think LSU has a legitimate shot to win this game. I think the 11 a.m. kick helps them. I think the players only meeting by Daniels and the wide receivers helps them this week. Their defense is legit, especially their front seven. They got guys that are going to be playing on Sunday. They got some dogs in that front seven. But this is the number one rated offense in the league. Yards per game, passing yards per game, points per game. I think they're going to disrupt Hooker some. I think they're going to get after him. I even think they're going to cause a few turnovers. By the way, Tennessee has not committed a turnover yet this year. Yep. Has not committed one yet. I think that ends tomorrow. I really do. I just don't know if LSU's offense is going to be able to put up enough points against the Volunteers. That That's the thing. Even though the passing defense is awful, I don't know if the offensive line is going to be good enough, and if Daniels and his wide receivers are going to do enough, are they going to be able to put up enough points? Beating an, a bad Auburn team on the road who wants to fire their head coach is not the same as facing the number eight team in the country. I think they have a shot. I would not be surprised if LSU pulls off the upset and beats Tennessee tomorrow. I would not. would not surprise me one bit. But I think Tennessee just has too much firepower right now right now I think they come into Death Valley and they get a hard fought win the point spread is only three I think it's going to be a little bit more I'm going to say Tennessee 30 LSU 24 six point victory for the Vols but it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of national people think it's going to be oh yeah I mean, uh, Jay Ward even said he was like, Saturday is going to be a good game of turnovers because we know how to create them, and they haven't had one. Correct. So. Let's go on to the Saints. Sunday, taking on the Seahawks. Seahawks are 2-2. Two and two. Geno Smith has been playing well. Looks like an actual, legitimate, pretty good starting quarterback in the NFL. The defense, though, for the Seahawks is awful. We know Michael Thomas is not going to go for the Saints. Looks like Jameis Winston's not going to go either, but they're going to get Kamara back. So you'll still have Andy Dalton, Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. Offensive line played a little bit better last week. Defense is going to be motivated as well. They're going to have to start strong. No more coming from behind. No more late heroics. Come out and establish what you want to do right off the bat. Let's do that. If the Saints can do that, they can get a dub. How do you like this game? I mean, I, I want to pull for the Saints to win. I think it being Andy Dalton going for them and you having Kamara back, I think that helps a lot if we had Thomas because I'm still unsure about Jameis. It's just an unsure thing for me. But I think they beat 
the Seahawks 21-14 ending by a touchdown. I think they hopefully get that one touchdown in the beginning of the game to put a pep in their step. Pep in their step. That's very similar to my score, is it not? Close, but I had mine first before you said yours. Oh, there it is. There it is. I think the Saints win this game. I think they establish themselves. I think they get back on track. It's desperation time. It's nearly must-win time. I think the Saints win this one. Give the people their my score. I have you saying 24-17. It won't be pretty. <laughs> no. It won't be pretty, but I like the Saints to gut out a win here against the Seahawks 24 to 17. I think it's it's not a it's not a, may not be a must win right now for the Saints, but it is a must win for my sanity with foot. <laughs> it feels So please. Yes, it feels like a must win. It surely does. So, we split on LSU. You like the Tigers to win. I think they can pull it off, but I think Tennessee earns a 6-point victory. And we both agree the Saints are going to win on Sunday. There we go. Obviously, we'll get to Kevin Foote's picks as well, upcoming on Footnotes, and then we'll share our picks on social media throughout the weekend. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, it's time to help you out with your fantasy football teams. No better person to do that than our guy Zach Miller, former league champion for the RP3 and Company League and our resident fantasy expert. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and company. It's time for us to talk all things fantasy football with our resident expert, former RP3 and company fantasy football league champion, Zach Miller joins us now. Zach, good morning to you, bud. How are you? Good morning, brother. I'm doing good. All right, bud. Let's get right to it because there's some interesting matchups here and I need, we need some assistance. We need some help here and I'm going to throw these out to you. So I'll give you a quarterback. Tell me who to sit, who to start. Cooper Rush for the Dallas Cowboys going up against the Rams versus, hey, wait for it, Justin Fields versus the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, is sit both of them an option? <laughs> uh, uh, just in between those two, I'm going to go Cooper Rush. Uh, he doesn't have a great matchup. But Justin Fields last week threw the most passes he's thrown all season. Um, they're a run-heavy team. I don't expect that trend to continue. He just doesn't have the volume consistently to put up a decent fantasy line. Um, and if anything, Cooper Rush may have the opportunity for some for some garbage time uh, passing yardage if um, you know if, if the Rams offense gets rolling. So I, I'd go Rush in that situation. 
Yeah, I, I think I lean that way as well because I just don't believe the Bears are committed to having their quarterback throw the football. They're like, hey, won't you just be like Otto Graham? There we go. Let's just let's just have that type of offense in the NFL. All right, let me ask you about another one here. Andy Dalton making another start for the Saints because Jameis is not going to be able to go. Okay, we know that. Versus Jimmy G for the San Francisco 49ers. Situation. Um, they're, they're going to run the ball all over Carolina because Carolina can't stop the run. Uh, and that's what the 49ers want to do more than anything. Um, so, yeah, in that situation, I think Dalton just has a, a better matchup this week for sure. I, I'm not on Jimmy at all this week. So even with the Saints' offensive woes with passing the football, you still believe because of the matchup and because the way Shanahan calls games, you don't think Jimmy's going to have that many passing opportunities to put up points and that Andy Dalton would have more opportunities with the Saints. Absolutely. Uh, and the, the Rams uh, don't have a very good defense at all. I mean, the – the Seahawks don't have a good defense at all either, as you alluded to uh, earlier. Um, so, yeah, just by game script, I think the Andy Dalton has a much better matchup this week, fantasy-wise. Let me ask you this. After what we saw last night with the $200 million man not able to find the end zone yet again, is it time to panic if you're a Russell Wilson owner? I, I asked you this last week. And he's not any better. And their offense looks dreadful, Zach. It looks absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you what, it's going to be one of those situations where if the matchup dictates it, yes, you can start him. But he's not somebody that I'm sure when you drafted him, you were expecting him just to be a plug and play. Right. Uh, he's just going to be locked yet in that offense. So unless it's a plus matchup, um, like it was last week whenever I suggested to start him. He had a pretty good week. Um, it's going to be one of those contingent on the matchups, uh, more one of those second, third-tier uh, quarterback options. Definitely not a locked-in number one starter. Lots of injuries to the running back position so far. You know, we saw Elijah Mitchell get banged up for the 49ers. He's out for a while, so they've had to go to different guys. We've seen the commanders have to go through different running backs. Everyone seems to be nicked up there. Christian McCaffrey's been banged up for the Panthers. Give me a guy that's maybe flying under the radar that's still in some leagues that you could pick up and would be a great kind of spot starter for you or maybe even a flex guy at the running back spot. Well, um, so Raheem Mostert, um, he looks like he's taking the lead running back role over there in Miami. Um, so he might be somebody who's available on waivers. Um, also, as the Patriots situation kind of figures itself out, Damian Harris and Ramadre Stevens both get uh, volume, but Ramadre is getting double-digit carries at this point, and he's getting more reception op uh, target opportunities. So if he's somebody that you drafted and stashed to uh, right on your bench, it looks like he's kind of taking that lead role over there in uh, New England. Let me ask you about wide receiver because lots – was made about the Packers in the offseason. They they had, you know, they they lost a lot of their veteran guys. And we thought Aaron Rodgers would develop a rapport chemistry with some of the the vets that they still had on the roster. But it's been the exact opposite. Any of those young guns you're looking at, if they're still available for the Packers and their wide receiving core, who do you like maybe long term for this entire season, Zach? Well, um, 
Um, Romeo Dubs has established himself as the second passing option there. Uh, Alan Lazard got out the gate real slow, um, but since he's been healthy, his targets and receptions have increased uh, every week. So it looks like he's kind of reestablishing himself as that that number one option. Uh, but Romeo Dubs is not a bad number two option uh, because it looks like, as far as rookies go, he's somebody that Aaron Rodgers is actually committed to to getting the ball to on a consistent basis. So he's going to there's going to be some ups and downs, some moves there, but uh, he's he's put up pretty pretty decent stat wise considering his uh, his position there. All right, but I want to wrap it up with Monday Night Football. Raiders, Chiefs, lots of fantasy players in this game. Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders, Derek Carr, maybe Devontae Adams. But I want to ask you about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's always a question mark guy, and he did really well for me last week. Is Clyde someone that you feel confident, even with the young guy that they drafted, that they're giving carries to, Clyde still seems to be still has a major role in this offense. Do you trust that moving forward? And should Clyde be in your lineup no matter what from week to week? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to plug and play him there because, I mean, honestly, he's still getting 56% of the snaps, and they are manufacturing ways to get him the ball, um, even with the competition there. And you consider that he's on one of the best offenses in the league. You can't not play him. Um He's just he's just too efficient this year with the opportunities he's, he's been given. Um, and like I said, it seems like they're finally manufacturing ways to get him the ball where he can be most effective with it. So, yeah, you got to roll with him. You know who we got to roll with every Friday, bud? Who's that? You. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. How, how are you How are you making out in our, our fantasy football league, bud? Oh, ouch subject remember a couple weeks ago when i said don't panic yeah uh it's time to panic a little bit uh i guess i guess i could say my team doesn't have any quit in them but technically you have to get started before you can quit right i believe in you bud i believe in you hannah doesn't but i do so i just let you know five five names can't wait to face you and, and and stomp your face she said she goes, I'm going to curb stomp him. I'm like, whoa, that's very aggressive. She's wearing her Slidell High School Letterman's jacket today, bud, so I don't know. She's she's a bit fiery. She's feisty. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll I mean, see. I never knew Slidell High and Brobridge High had some beef, but maybe now they do. Maybe now they do. Maybe this is the beginning of a rivalry. <laughs> Zach, <laughs> brother, enjoy your weekend, bud. Later, man. Thanks. We got to take a timeout. Hopefully Hannah will apologize to Zach about, you know, talking smack about him off the air. (laughs) Coming up, it'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz. TJ Jones from the State of the Saints podcast will join us. That's all coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. They give to Camara. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Will there be a reason to celebrate? Will there be a reason to dance on Sunday inside the Caesar Superdome? That's the big question facing members of the Houdat Nation. Things do look a little dire right now. <sighs> Offensive play calling. Not good. Penalties, not good. Team not looking prepared, not good. Quarterback play, inconsistent, not good. 
But hey, here's the thing. Despite playing like donkeys for a good portion of these four games, they're only a game back in the division. So can you really be that down on your team when they're still only a game back in their own division? I don't know. I don't think so. But we'll find out more. How about a man who talks about the Saints all the time? How about a guy who has a podcast about the Saints? He could probably give us some perspective. That's who's joining us right now for the Big Easy Blitz. Our friend TJ Jones from the State of the Saints podcast. Brother, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing just fine, Ray. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. I, I really appreciate your time. Man, I appreciate you making the time, bud. All right, so... How do you feel about the team? Uh, all, all stuff aside, one and three, all the nonsense, all the bad play calling, all the bad coaching, all the bad play on the offense, no sense of urgency, so forth and so forth. But they're one and three, but they're only a game back at Tampa. How do you feel about right. your team right now? Um, as of right now, um, as we are in the, the first uh, quarter of the season, the Saints are one of the worst football teams in the NFL. I mean – Look, there's this old saying by Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. And no matter how much talent you have on a team, offensive, offensively or defensively, uh, you're a one in three team. And this is a very undisciplined team. And you can talk about terms like shooting yourself in the foot or, you know, uh, cleaning things up. I mean, all that stuff sounds good, but in reality, you're one in three. And as of right now, the New York Jets uh, <laughs> have a better record than you. So, uh, right now, at where it stands, the Saints are not a very good football team. They're not. The thing that stands out to me, TJ, more than anything, and it's people want to focus on Winston or Dalton and the quarterbacks, and look, Winston has not played well. I think we can all admit to that. Mm -hmm. I don't like the play calling. Like That's the thing that kind of stands out to me is the play calling and the coaching because yeah. this is a team that does not look like they're prepared. This is a team yeah. that does not look like they're motivated. They have no sense of urgency, and I think that falls on D.A. And then mm -hmm. the play calling, how we're not trying to get the ball into Alvin Kamara's hands as much as possible is perplexing to me. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I think the discipline, I think there's a lack of discipline with this team. I think there's a lack of focus with this team. And, yeah, the players have to be held responsible for this. But, yeah. man, I sure do see a whole lot of bad coaching. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Look. I want to take you back to last year when the Saints played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Raymond James Stadium. And that was during the time, you know, when um, Coach Sean Payton had COVID and you had Dennis Allen as the interim coach for that game. And you had Pete Carmichael calling the plays. They won that game nine to nothing. But if you look at that game, it was like extremely conservative. They didn't do anything to try to, you know, win or lose the game. And I feel like that's the philosophy of the New Orleans Saints this season. Like they're, they're, they're trying not to lose the game instead of like winning the game. We used to criticize Sean Payton for his aggressive play calling, going for it on fourth down, the triple reverses. But now that he's gone, you can have an appreciation for that. At least he was trying. And at least he probably had his team fired up to know that they would go for it on fourth and one. What you see is a bunch of guys right now that's, that's too afraid to take risk. Uh, and you can tell by their play calling. You can tell by their demeanor. And you can also tell by the players. It just seems like to me, like all of these players are in their own heads right now. They're, they're looking to not make a mistake versus to actually make a play. And you have to look at the coaching staff because I feel like they got these players a little bit too uptight right now. Do you think they can turn it around, TJ? 
Yes, I do. I think they can turn it around, uh, but it, but it's going to take uh, the coaching staff to get a little bit more aggressive. And also it's going to have to take some accountability. You know, there's a different coaching style. It seems like to me, Dennis Allen is a little bit more of a player's coach than Sean Payton was. And that's a good thing. You know, players like to know that they can, you know, the coach has their back, but at the same time, I don't feel like this team actually fears him, right? And I also don't feel like he's really putting that attention to detail. But if he does, then I feel like they can turn it around. Look, everybody knows how talented this team is, Ray. They're talented. They got all these different weapons offensively, defensively. Uh, they're one of the best defenses in the league, so they can turn it around. But the question is, will the coaches allow this team uh, to get turned around or will they continue to allow this team to get in their own way? If Andy Dalton has a good game, because I don't think he he I don't think he's a great quarterback, okay? But let's say he has a good game. Let's say 250 yards, couple touchdowns, right? Mm -hmm. No picks. Right. Regardless of what happens with Jameis, do the Saints mm -hmm. then have a quarterback controversy on their hands? Yes, they do. You know, and I know that's not what a lot of Jameis supporters uh, feel. You know that I I think they feel like, well, this is Jameis's job. Look. This is a competitive league. People want to win. Like, all this stuff about, oh, this Jameis job first. Like, it's not like how you're just standing in line at a gas station or something. Oh, I was next. No, these guys want to win. And you have to admit, even if you're the biggest Jameis supporter, he did not leave, he did not leave it all on the field, like, before he got injured. I mean, he left a lot to be desired. And if Andy Dalton can come in and string along some games, uh, let alone some wins, then I don't see how the coaching staff goes back to Jameis Winston. Like, as much as I want to see Jameis succeed, and I think a lot of people do, they want him to change that narrative of what happened in Tampa, but you can't shy away from a guy that's running the offense effectively like he did last week. They didn't win, but there was the best outing they had as an offense. So if he can continue to run the offense the way he did last week and maybe even capitalize on some of the opportunities as time goes on, I don't see how Jameis Winston can come back and you just say is he's the definitive starter after that. I, I, I don't know how. You, you, you want to root for guys, and I get that, but I agree with you, TJ, because at the end of the day, if you're a fan, you want your team to do whatever they can to win the game. Right. So if putting Andy Dalton in wins you games over Jameis, who, let's be fair, has four stress fractures in his back and has a bum ankle and is coming right. off surgery last yep. year, right? So he's... Yeah. So he was limited in training camp. Exactly. You do whatever you can to get the dub. That's all that matters. And that leads mm -hmm. me to my next question. Mm -hmm. Seattle's playing better than I think a lot of people expected. Geno Smith actually looks like a competent quarterback. Right. So much so that you look at him, and you're like, hey, is he available for the Saints? <laughs> all right. And I never thought I'd say that. But their right. defense is awful. How do you like this matchup Sunday? Do you think this is a good matchup for the Saints, and do you think they can rise to the occasion without Michael Thomas and without Jameis Winston and get the W and get back on track? Yeah, I think this is a winnable game. Uh, uh, when you talk about Geno Smith, I mean, nobody expected for Geno Smith to be leading the league in completion percentage. He's at, what, like 77%, which is incredible. Uh, but look, um, the Saints can uh, right the ship in this game but I just feel like they have to put emphasis on running the football. The, this is a team, to me, uh, that can run the football. They had success last week uh, when Latavius Murray was here. They had success even with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that game before Mark Ingram fumbled and they decided not to run the football anymore. Uh, this team, they have to 
get out of their own way. Like you have to cut down on the penalties. Like, I don't care how good you are, all right? If you keep on shooting yourself in the foot with the penalties and all this undisciplined play, you're not going to win. But this is a winnable game. But they, they have to be able to uh, make sure that they cut down on these penalties. They got to make sure that they have a balanced attack because we've seen the Seattle Seahawks. They put up 40-plus points last week. So if, if you're a Saints fan, you're just like, oh, well, you know, Seattle, they're not that good this year, right? Uh, this is a team that's motivated. They understand where they're supposed to be in the pecking order of the NFL, and they're taking offense to that. So if you think they're just going to roll into the season Superdome on Sunday and say, oh, we're playing the Saints and we're not good enough, you're sadly mistaken. This team can't hit you in the mouth, and this is a team that's, that's a very prideful team. If the Saints don't have a balanced attack and they continuously have these penalties, they're going to find themselves looking at one and four. And Marshawn Lattimore uh, needs to have a bounce-back game uh, it mm -hmm. was a battle last year with DK Metcalf, but after he got abused right. by Justin Jefferson, he needs to bounce back in a big way. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I don't have any issues with uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Look, everybody has a, a rough day at the office. I don't think that's an indication of who he is or what he has been uh, this entire season. I mean, analytically, before this game, he was uh, one of the top corners in the league, and I still feel that way. So I, I, I'm not a person that's kind of down on Marshawn Lattimore. Every now and then we know you just go up against a guy that just has your number. And, and over the course of the years, as great as Marshawn Lattimore has been, you know, we've seen performances like Cooper Cup and Adam Thielen that comes along and it, it gives him a tough matchup. And Justin Jefferson, I mean, look, having a bad game against arguably one of the best young wide receivers in <laughs> yeah. all of football is nothing to be embarrassed about. I mean, it's, I mean, he's still an incredible, incredibly talented cornerback. That's right. That's right. Brother, appreciate your time. As always, thank you for making it, uh, TJ. Enjoy your weekend, my friend. And uh, tell the people real quick, I only got about 30 seconds, tell the people how they can follow you on social and where they can go to get your podcast, man. All right, follow me on Twitter at TJAYJones8, and you can check out the State of the Saints podcast on all streaming platforms, as well as YouTube.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate your time, brother. Enjoy your weekend. All right, you too, man. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, it's time for you to warm up your dancing legs for the official run and duathlon of Festival Acadiana de la Carabola. <laughs> it's Friday. Race through Lafayette's historic district. And end up at Gerard Park for Festival Acadian on Sunday, October the 16th. Now, you can compete in the 5K or the 10K or the Run Paddle Run event. Taking part in this great event helps support local parks, community projects, and the festival that we all love. You can volunteer for the event or register at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. I want to take a moment to thank our guests for helping us wrap up the week in style. James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast. Adam Sparks from the Knoxville News Sentinel, Tennessee Volunteers beat reporter. Zach Miller, our fantasy football expert. And TJ Jones from the State of the Saints podcast. We asked you on our poll question of the day, what will be the key for LSU beating Tennessee tomorrow? Once again, pregame begins at 9 Kickoff 11 o'clock. You can listen to it live right here on the game. 49% of you say all of the above. 21% say disrupting 
Vols quarterback Holden Hooker. 16% say attacking the Vols secondary, and 14% of you say run the ball, control the clock. Darren says keep it low scoring. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thanks to all of you who commented both on Facebook and Twitter as well. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. That's going to do it for us today, but make sure to tune in Monday morning, 6 to 9. We'll do it all again. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston.